0: As we move throughout our year we love to take sundays that we set apart specifically to feast on the gospel of jesus christ jesus was the phenomenal teacher he left us with so many different Im- illustrations and images that remind us of the truth of the gospel of jesus christ In baptism, as we celebrate what God has done in the life of a believer, as that individual entrusting in Christ, their their sinful self is put to death with Christ on the cross, and he's raised to new life um, in faith in him. And then also in the Lord's Supper, as we continue to proclaim Christ's death and resurrection, the covenant that is accomplished for us in his blood, until Paul says he comes again. And each Sunday that we set aside specifically to build towards and partake of the Lord's Supper together, I always like to just find a passage of Scripture and remind us that we can remind ourselves of the gospel as we can return to the gospel. I'm reading a book um, by Dane Ortland. It's called Deeper, and it's about growing in the the Christian life. It's a companion to the book that I distributed to the church, uh, Gentle and Lowly. And in the particular chapter on justification, our salvation, he declares that oftentimes it's tempting for us to think that I'm saved by the gospel, and that's what gets me started. And then it's other things that then maintain my Christianity and my life. But he reminds us in that chapter in that book that the gospel is not jumper cables that get your engine going, it's actually the engine itself, and it is growing deeper into our understanding of the gospel and allowing it to speak deeper into our lives that our life, Christian life is actually uh, maintained and grown. If you've been paying attention to the news this last week, there's been a lot um, that uh, has crossed the, the news channels, but there's one story that seems to just kind of stand out as the story that shouldn't actually be there, and yet nevertheless is the story that's dominating everything else. And it is what happened last Sunday night at the Oscars when a comedian, Chris Rock, went out on stage and made a joke that was in very poor taste and was insulting to Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. And in the moment, Will Smith gave way to his anger and he walked on stage and he physically assaulted Chris Rock and then began screaming obscenities at him from the seat in the days that followed, Will Smith began apologizing on social media and in many different avenues. And he began to, to declare, even though he had responded to words with physical violence, he attempted to repair the damage that he had done with to his reputation and to the event and everything else with words. And he began to proclaim and to, to say in his apologies that the man that he wants to be is not the man that people saw that night. And this question just personally dug deep into my life as I'm watching that because it's been personally convicting of me because I happen to share his first name. And the question, will the real will please stand up? has resonated deep in my mind and my heart all week long. Because the truth of the matter is, in every single one of us, there is a public persona that's polished and put together by all of our best efforts and ingenuities that we put out in front of the world. And then there's this private person that we are when no one else is looking and most often there is a gap between that public persona and that private person. The person we really are and the person that we want to be. The person that honestly we think we are. I was reminded by uh, my friend and brother in Christ, Brother Larry Robertson from over at Hilldale. A group of pastors got together this, morning, or this past week to pray for our city and revival. It was about 40 different pastors that made an hour-long trip to a chapel up in Kentucky to pray for our city and for revival to come. And in that time, Pastor Robertson led a prayer and repentance and he reminded each and every one of us that even though there's that public persona and then there's the private person that we think we are, in reality there's the real person underneath it all that only God knows that we are. But we all struggle with the reality that there is that gap between who we are and who we want it to be and when that gap is exposed... Our ugly is on display for all of the world to see. Then our shame is laid out there. And we are often left with the reality that we are hopeless in our own strength to do anything about that gap. And so the passage of Scripture that has come back to my mind, and it was Dr. Robertson who prayed this over us as pastors together this past Thursday, is Paul's words in the book of Romans. When Paul shares the reality that this isn't just true for unbelievers, it's not just true for baby believers, it's true for even apostles. And so Paul writes in the book of Romans in chapter 7 beginning in verse 21, he says this, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, as we reflect on your words this morning and on the truth of the gospel, I pray that you would just shine the light of your grace deep into our hearts and to our souls. That we might know who we are in Christ because of what Christ has done for us and who he's made himself to be for us. And in that, Heavenly Father, we might rest. Rest from all of our labors. Rest from all of our attempts, Heavenly Father, to do in our own strength what only you can do by your power and your might. To Trust in salvation and lay down the arms of the war inside of us and trust exclusively in the good news of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, pray. amen, and amen. Just before these verses, Paul talks about how he finds it to be the law, that the things that he wants to do, he finds himself incapable of doing. And the things he knows that he shouldn't be doing that he really doesn't want to be doing are the things that he finds himself trapped and constantly doing. And so he's wrestling and he comes to that conclusion that we read in verse 21. I find it a law that when I want to do what is right, evil is close by. Evil is right there at the very point that I want to do what is right. The evil inside of me and the evil that is outside of me in the fallen world that is around me that puts pressure on me to lend me that direction and then also the influence of the devil all of that comes together. We can't ignore the spiritual reality, but we also can't put all of the blame on Satan. There's a sinful person inside of every single one of us, even though we, might have, we have believed in Jesus Christ. There is the reality that we have been saved. We are being saved, and one day we will be fully and completely saved. And we live in this tension between who I am and who I'm not fully yet. And so this ongoing sin battle is inside of every single one of us. And it leaves us exposed then for the wretches that we really are. That despite all of my best efforts, everything that I can lay before the Lord are still nothing more than dirty rags in his presence. Which is why we need to be humble enough to constantly return to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To realize that this isn't something that is one and done and I am hereby perfected in my life, but instead this is an ongoing struggle. And that the Bible calls me to persevere to the end. And it's the ones who persevere to the end who are saved who hear the message of the gospel, who believe the message of the gospel, who hold fast to who Jesus Christ is throughout their life. And we constantly come back because repentance isn't merely the way into the Christian life, it's the way of the Christian life. Because again and again throughout my life, I'm going to learn that my sin goes far deeper than it could ever, that I ever initially understood it to be. Even at the most basic level, as we've been studying through the Ten Commandments, we oftentimes come to the Ten Commandments and think that the Ten Commandments are all about managing my behavior. But as we saw, the Ten Commandments are concerned about far more than just the things that we do. They are equally as concerned about what motivates us to do what we do. And they're challenges for our hearts as well as our hands. And we realize that sin, with every layer of the onion that I pull back, there's just more onion and more onion. And so I need to constantly return to the hope that comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need to continually return to repentance, which is what Paul does as he dwells on the reality that I find by his personal experience this struggle is real. It leaves him crying out, not for strength, not for intellect. Not for understanding, he cries out for a savior. Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? And he, in that, immediately turns to Jesus Christ. And the declaration that there is something greater than even the law of sin and death, something greater than the law outside of him, there is a new message, a new word, which is a word that is accomplished as grace in our hearts by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So despite the voice of condemnation that calls Paul wretched, there's a greater voice that says there is no condemnation that rises up in his heart and rises up in our hearts as we remind ourselves and return again and again to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That because of what Jesus has done, that has overcome what we could never do. That he has set us free Chapter 8, verse 2, from the law of sin and death, because he has done what the law weakened by our flesh could never do. Jesus came in the likeness of man. He lived a life of perfection, of perfect obedience and devotion, of integrity, so that there was never a period in Christ's life where there was ever a gap between his public persona and his private persona. But he lived with complete and total and perfect integrity in the way that he loved others, in the way that he loved the Lord, in the way that he lived. And yet, despite his perfection, he chose to not only become like us in putting on flesh, but become like us in taking our place as he hung on the cross. And receiving the punishment that we deserve because of the reality of sin in our lives. And he endured on that cross the judgment for your sin and my sin. And he endured the greatest punishment of sin, which is not merely the physical death that he endured from there, but the wrath of God for sin. As God laid it all on Christ on the cross. And yet because of his perfection, because of his perfect integrity... And because of God's grace, God raised him from the dead, vindicating him as perfect and righteous and spotless and unworthy of death and unworthy of that punishment. Declaring him to be righteous. And then making that righteousness that is Christ's available to all those who would trust in Christ. That we might be clothed in his righteousness so that when God declares Jesus is righteous, there's no condemnation for my son. That same promise and declaration is true for all of those who are in him. Who have trusted in Christ, who've turned from their own attempts to deal with the war that is waged inside of our inner beings, that wrestles against sin, and instead trusts completely and fully in Jesus Christ. And because what what he has done And now because of that, because of what he has done and what he, the victory that he has given to each and every one of us in the war that is waged inside of our hearts, we can wage that war in his strength, not with more of me, not with external man-centered adjustments to, in modifications to my behavior, or even with mere words of regret and sorrow, but I can instead know that I am now filled with, covered by his righteousness and filled with his spirit such that his person lives inside of me, and I am now free to walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit who lives inside of me. That spirit that is there to testify to my soul when the voice of the enemy who is the accuser of the brethren wants to remind you and condemn you and weigh you down with your guilt and the reality of that gap between who you want to be and who you really are. There's another voice for all of the children of God whose spirit, the spirit who cries out with my spirit of my true identity. That there is a person that I am becoming by the grace of God, that I'm not quite there yet, but God treats me as who I will be one day and not necessarily even who I am right now. A fully adopted, protected son of God. Because you know what? I don't know if the gap between my public persona and my private person will ever go away this side of eternity. But I also know that because of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I don't have to be afraid if it doesn't. And I don't have to try in my own strength. I don't have to live under guilt and shame because no matter how big that gap might be, Jesus is always big enough to cover that gap. And so I can accept the consequences of my sins and my failures that come in this life without fear of ever losing my eternal security in Jesus Christ. I can be honest with my brothers and sisters in Christ about the struggles that are going on in my life, struggles with laziness, struggles with self-centeredness, selfishness, materialism, fear, anxiety, doubt, all of those things. I don't have to be afraid For that private person to come out every once in a while. Because Jesus is always enough. And God treats me as though He would treat Jesus. And that's how I am now free to treat you. Not as you deserve, but as God has treated me, I'm free to treat you in love and forgiveness. But I'm only free to do that when I'm anchored in and remembered, remembering every moment of every day the truth of the gospel.